0: Hi, my name is Dr. Mark Derry, and I'm an infectious diseases specialist in New Orleans. Just as a reminder that COVID-19 and the human immunodeficiency virus do share the same risk factors. Hi, my name is Doc Griggs, and I'm a community medicine doctor and health literacy expert. This is the Noise Filter Podcast, where an infectious diseases physician- That's me, and a health literacy and communications expert- That's me, talk about what you need to know about COVID-19. You can find more information about this show and our other daily live updates and Q&A show at noisefiltershow.com. So let's get started. All right, welcome to Noise Filter. This is Dr. Mark Callendari. Dr. Griggs is not able to be with us today, so let's go ahead and get started. Disparity in data among Asian Americans. Now, the Southeast Asian Community Alliance has been working on COVID-19 relief, delivering food and other resources to many vulnerable communities in the Chinatown and Lincoln Heights neighborhoods of Los Angeles. One of the leaders has been pushing the government to expand its programs to increase accessibility by decreasing the language and technology barriers. Many families in Chinatown don't have cars. They live in senior housing complexes and are low income, which all contribute to the difficulty of controlling disease transmission amidst the pandemic. When vaccination started increasing, campaigns were largely targeting Latino, Black, and Native American communities. There has been a narrative that Asian American communities are not underserved, which is dangerous. Asian organizations are requesting the creation of a local Asian American COVID-19 task force, more resources in different languages, and vaccine equity for Asian American seniors. Community organizers say the data for COVID is lacking in this community because of the inequitable handling of the pandemic. One contribution to the solution was a proposed bill that asked colleges, universities, and health agencies in California to collect more data on different Asian nationalities. This could help influence intervention methods for different communities. Now, for so long, Asians have been grouped together, but different nationalities face different problems. For example, Vietnamese Americans face higher rates of poverty, mental health issues, and high school dropout rates. The change would be addressed not only in the Asian-American community, but also the Latino and Black ones as well, which are all included in a recent bill that was introduced. This type of change also promotes the development of resources in different languages. Many Latino communities speak Spanish, but there could be up to 42 different languages in Asian communities, and this largely affected self-reported data from research in Spanish and English primarily. So, in closing, more research shows that Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders face high rates of infection, hospitalizations, and death, even compared to Latino and Black communities in some areas. And while many community organizers are assisting in increasing accessible resources, and they will continue to as long as it's needed, there needs to be more involvement from governments, more specific research, and an overall systemic change toward equity. Herd immunity is unlikely. Now, the phrase herd immunity was never spoken more than at the beginning of the pandemic when public health officials said that reaching herd immunity would put an end to the coronavirus disruption in our lives. Now, there is widespread consensus among scientists and public health experts that reaching herd immunity is not attainable, not in the foreseeable future and maybe not ever. According to the New York Times, the virus will most likely become a manageable threat that will continue to circulate in the United States for years to come, still causing hospitalizations and deaths, but in much smaller numbers. An evolutionary biologist at Emory says, the virus is unlikely to go away, but we want to do all we can to check that it's likely to become a mild infection. Also, there are a couple reasons why the threshold for herd immunity will almost be impossible to reach. Reason number one, early on in the pandemic, the target herd immunity threshold was estimated to be about 60 to 70% of the population. But as vaccines were developed, estimates of that threshold began to rise. That's because the initial calculations were based on the contagiousness of the original version of the virus. The predominant variant that is now circulating in the United States is about 60% more transmissible than the original. As a result, experts now calculate the herd immunity threshold to be at least 80%, and if even more contagious variants continue to develop, and they will, or if scientists find that immunized people can still transmit the virus, the calculation will have to be revised again, upwards. (laughs) The second reason we may never reach herd immunity is unfortunately because of vaccine hesitancy. Polls show that 30% of the US population are still reluctant to be vaccinated. That number is expected to improve, but probably not enough. Another reason for not reaching herd immunity, is the connectivity between countries, particularly as travel restrictions ease, which further emphasizes the urgency of protecting everyone globally. We will not achieve herd immunity as a country or a state or even a city until we have enough immunity in the population as a whole, says Lauren Ansel Myers, the director of COVID-19 Modeling Consortium at the University of Texas at Austin. So, in conclusion, continued immunizations, especially for people at the highest risk of age, exposure, or health status, will be crucial to limiting the severity of outbreaks. If the vaccination levels of the most vulnerable groups continue to rise, the expectation is that over time, the coronavirus may become seasonal like the flu, affecting mostly the young and the healthy. virus-killing robots. The pandemic has pushed a little bit of Renaissance era for advanced technology and science. A recent development has been that of virus-killing robots, which disinfect surfaces in public spaces. LE Electronics designed an autonomous UVC light robot to disinfect surfaces, killing any viral traces that may be present. Now listen, let's be clear. The virus is primarily transmitted, if not entirely through airborne (laughs) or respiratory droplets. But there are other viruses and other entities that can fall on surfaces. And even though for COVID, it's unlikely that transmission may occur via surfaces. I think that just still the idea of making sure that surfaces are clean is a good one. I don't think that we need to engage in hygiene theater, but I think that we do need to engage in continuing to keep surfaces clean. Now, the robots use ultraviolet light to disinfect rooms and spaces of the virus. Hospitals have been using UV light cleaning for some time now, and now people have begun to see these robots in malls, airports, hotels, and other public spaces. The demand for such technology has skyrocketed as businesses are eager to run in full capacity safely once again. It is predicted that the market for these robots will shift from $341 million in 219 to over $2.3 billion by the year of 2025. As schools navigate plans for the start of a new academic year, many consider taking advantage of this innovative technology to maintain safe environments. The LG robot has a built in motor sensor and turns off when people are in the vicinity. The machine was designed primarily for restaurants and corporate offices and retail stores, according to the Washington Post. It does have the ability to move about tables and chairs while on its own disinfecting along the way. While current UV light robots on the market can cost as much as 100000 LG plans to release theirs at a more affordable price. While the virus is mainly transmitted, again, via respiratory droplets or airborne, these robots can serve to make people feel a little bit more safe. Additionally, they should be treated as another safety measure to be coupled with vaccination, mask wearing, social distancing. Now alone, these robots are not capable of containing all transmission of COVID, but they do offer another layer of effective protection in addition to other measures in an efficient and speedy manner. Just as a reminder that COVID-19 and the human immunodeficiency virus do share the same risk factors. Doc Griggs? Thanks for listening to the Noise Filter Daily Podcast. Dr. Derry and I have a daily show at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time, where we go into more detail on stories and answer your questions about COVID-19. You can find Doc Griggs at docgriggs one on social media, and you can find me at Dr. Mark Allen Derry or at drdery. You can follow us at NoiseFilter on Instagram, Noise NoiseFilterNola on Twitter, and for more information about us and the show, you can go to NoiseFilterShow.com. Hey, Doc Griggs, any last words? Remember, get checked, get fit, get moving. And remember to get some rest to boost your immune system. And Doc? Protect yourself and others by staying home, and please wear masks when you go outside. Remember, health is a human right.